0: Uh, Friends, I thought of speaking tonight on a a topic uh, called uh, Joy of Renunciation. This is the first time that I've spoken about it, so it'll be a bit of an exploration. Usually I take a theme and uh, discuss it several times in front of different groups of people, and and, uh, Vedona is actually a co-creator by the uh, coming together of uh, you and me, and and uh, listening and uh, reflecting together about the Dhamma. Uh, renunciation is uh, one of two words in Pali. It would be uh, one word is Pali called netkama, and that's part of uh, what's called right intention in the Eightfold Noble Path. The right intention would be. Uh, renunciation or nekama, and um, non-ill-will, and uh, non-cruelty. Uh, uh. And then there's another word that's very close in meaning in the Pali, it's called chaga. and That's usually translated as generosity. But I'm going to try to uh, give you the idea that uh, generosity and renunciation are very, very close, just two angles on the same phenomenon. Uh, One might think of renunciation, especially when you think of um, um, monks, you could think of renunciation in a way that doesn't necessarily sound so attractive. Uh, you could think that uh, monks are so hemmed in by rules and they have to be perfect all the time and um, they don't ever have fun. They gave up music. Uh, they gave up um, swimming and playing games and dancing. Um, going to uh, museums to look at art galleries um, and, uh, uh, and they gave up sex. Uh, so then, uh, uh, and furthermore they gave up um, uh, all kinds of misbehavior, not only gross misbehavior like lying, stealing, killing and so forth, Uh, but also more uh, subtle kinds of misbehavior, like uh, uh, speaking in a harsh way, or um, uh, being um, uh, 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 inconsiderate, uh, any kind of a a lapse from uh, having this uh, demeanor which is calm, kind, clear, um, balanced. Uh, so uh, we might think that uh, a person who's uh, decided to be a monk and undergo all those uh, precepts of monastic life uh, is uh, never able to um, just uh, have a good laugh and tell jokes, are not able to Lose their temper and be angry and irritable and and not able to uh, enjoy life. Uh, but that's that's actually um, uh, I'll I'll say that's a misunderstanding. Uh, the most important um, kind of renunciation is where we uh, give up on causing harm either to ourselves or to another person. So that's where the common considerate thing comes out that ought to be a characteristic of monastic life and also a characteristic of Buddhist culture. Uh, so uh, you wouldn't Um, either from irritation or from malice. You wouldn't strike an animal or strike a human being. Um, You wouldn't uh, speak in a way that was going to hurt their feelings out of malice or cruelty. And you could say actually that most of the uh, what we call a morality or ethics or precepts are really uh, just a, a codification or a, a habitual way of being kind. Uh, so then uh, you wouldn't um, think of uh, violating somebody's dignity by um, assaulting them sexually or by um, imposing on them uh, with your sexuality uh, you wouldn't uh, think of um, uh, creating anxiety and distress in a person by uh, saying things that were untrue uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think of you would think that it would be wonderful if, uh, when you're with somebody, uh, you can feel safe that, like, your things, your possessions, are going to remain your possessions. They're not going to be taken away from you. And so, in the same way, well, you're not trying to take somebody else's possessions away. So, all of the things that are basic morality are kind of just an expression of generosity. Of. Uh, uh, putting some kind of a break or a restraint on our own uh, speech and behavior in order to uh, give the gift of safety, happiness and dignity uh, to the people around us. And then, likewise, internally, we can think of uh, putting a, a similar kind of a break on our behavior, uh, so that we would not uh, intentionally do anything at all that would be harmful to ourselves. Uh, so that's um, that's one kind of of uh, renunciation. Uh, uh, another kind of uh, renunciation is not uh, so much involved with things that are explicitly harmful in that way, Uh, but uh, giving up the entertainments and engagements and uh, involvements that may tend to um, completely fill the mind and occupy the imagination and uh, uh, Make the life um, busy and full. And we could think that uh, those things are uh, renounced, are let go of in order to make uh, life more spacious, uh, to make uh, more openness and more uh, quietude, to uh, create the uh, possibility for uh, more of our awareness to be uh, directed towards uh, the subtler uh, phenomena, the subtle things that arise within ourselves and also to in a certain way make room for our own uh, internal uh, creativity to arise. Uh, so, In that way, uh, uh, whatever we are interested in and active in, in terms of, uh, we could also, I'll just say, entertainments uh, and interests, Uh, what I think the attitude of Um, renunciation is to ask the question and say, well, you know, how much is this hobby or this activity or this interest or this book or this show or this um, appointment or this engagement or this trip, how much are these things really um, adding something of value and how much are they just a kind of a time filler that uh, keeps the mind preoccupied so that then uh, we don't have a chance to stop and, uh, and, and look within. Uh, This is uh, where the in the monastic life, uh, putting a pretty strong uh, boundary around entertainments, uh, does make it uh, quite um, obvious and clear how uh, sometimes um, the mind is uh, actually quite interested in being entertained, uh, and so then if we're not uh, giving ourselves uh, permission to um, watch a show or read a novel or something like that, um, then uh, uh, we stay within like the thought world of of Buddhism. Um, but then, in the can. There is a certain number of stories, of entertaining stories that are available, and and uh, one, one can become just quite, uh, uh, just quite like aware. Like how much? Just the mind really loves a story, um, and and so it's a it's a natural thing. But we can see this as a phenomenon of the mind. Because we put some space around it. Because we put a block on it. It's just the same thing than when you go on a retreat and you would spend a, a weekend or um, nine days or perhaps three months or, or longer of being on a meditation retreat. And while you're on retreat, you're completely cut off. You don't know what's happening on the news. Um, you're not... Uh, Uh, in a strict retreat they may uh, not allow you to read any books whatsoever. So the only input you get is the Dhamma talk which is given by the teacher. And you're really just there in a room with your own mind. Uh, So that's a kind of a strong uh, uh, renunciation that creates the space and the opportunity for a different kind of exploration, for a different kinds of, of truth to arise, for different experiences to arise. Uh, 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 but the, the kind of renunciation that one would um, practice in daily life might be um, something that each of us needs to make some clear decisions about how much we are uh, feeling that there's so much to be gained from this Dhamma practice that we are willing to uh, uh, let go of anything else except the Dhamma. And different people make different decisions about it. Uh, For example, um, I find it um, refreshing and uh, interesting and useful to uh, compare the teachings of the ancient systems with other systems of thought. And so, I sometimes uh, read uh, Western philosophy and compare, like uh, we were reading a text about um, protecting the truth because Nirvana has an undeceptive nature, and and uh, so thinking of such a, our truth as being a, a very fundamental value, and then and so then uh, for me to uh, look and see well what. What does Western philosophy say is actually the characteristic of the truth? It helps me to sort of uh, put some meat around uh, the ideas uh, that we encounter in the in the in the uh, original early text. Uh, I do that, but other people may make that uh, completely different choice. Uh, my teacher, um, went to Gunaratana for most of his life, he is not much interested in comparative religion or comparing different systems of thought. He just, you know, he said that he he finds that what's in the Pali Canon is a complete package. It has enough, there's enough there for him to gain the goal. And so he just wants to stay in the thought world of the ancient text. And so uh, we have one uh, member who Doesn't use, that barely uses the internet, maybe once a day or a few times a week, he looks up email and that's all. Um, uh, And then there are other people who find that for uh, uh, moral and ethical uh, reasons that it's wholesome and beneficial to be um, engaged in um, as an activist on behalf of addressing some of the, the problems in the world. Uh, so so these are these are the choices that you have to make but whatever choice you make uh, what I'm trying to say that the, the value of renunciation is that you have the power to draw a line and say I get involved in this but I'm not going to get involved in everything. I'm going to create a corral which is like the domain that I want to live in, because it's more... um, uh, uh, there's more room for... actually for creativity uh, when we're not completely surrounded with inputs all the time. That may be uh, something that is characteristic in uh, modern times, I think people are so uh, plugged into so many different kinds of media, that uh, it's uh, a danger that we have that the ancient people didn't have, of being too much like flooded with information and imported like that. And if you compare that to, let's say, uh, a disciple of the Buddha, uh, that person uh, would have spent many hours a day just walking, since that was the means of transportation, and so during the time they're just walking, then um, uh, it's also kind of like has time to time to think. Uh, but I, I want to come to um, another kind of uh, renunciation, and that is to uh, renounce uh, afflictive. Uh, States of mind, bad habits, uh, hindrances, uh, uh, fetters, uh, and all of the uh, uh, negative and uh, painful habits of the mind are patterns. This one could, I guess at this point, I guess if I had a, a book of the Polycarina, I could thump it and be a Bible thumper. And some, you know, you <laughs> renounce Mara and all of Mara's evil ways. <laughs> um, but but uh, it, what happens is that uh, 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 people uh, naturally, you know, we have these afflictive patterns. We have the tendency to be anxious, fearful, angry, irritable, uh, distressed, upset, uh, we may, um, uh, because of our situation, have some kind of a long-term um, uh, stressful situation in our life, and then be, be um, have a kind of like a chronic anxiety because of, because, even because of wanting to do well, or wanting to do good, or wanting to do the right thing, then that can, can be a cause of stress and anxiety. Or, or it could be that uh, because uh, we love, then uh, when there's a loss and a separation, then we have a grief. Uh, and uh, uh, we wouldn't be so cruel as to point to a person who's grieving and say, well, just get over it you know, that grief is not doing you any good, you can just stop grieving. Or you wouldn't go to somebody who's feeling uh, uh, depressed and say, well, depression is uh, uh, not recommended by the Buddha, so just stop being depressed. And that would be uh, kind of like me to take it in such a, a blunt way. But there is a way in which all of these things, we call them different kinds of mental illness, right? Uh, there's a point where one does actually make a decision, like, I don't wish to be ill, and I'm willing to change to let go of the pattern which is hurting me. Uh, there's a wonderful um, book by a Buddhist uh, psychiatrist called, his name is um, Podval, and um, I think the name is something like Choosing Sanity. Uh, He um, found uh, six different people who were actually uh, psychotic, uh, who were um, uh, relatively um, like different kinds of very intelligent and accomplished psychotic people that were keeping journals. So he had the biographical profile of these different people as they went. Through the the life history that took them into deep into uh, into um, actual psychosis, and uh, you know the voices and all those things, and, and uh, uh, one of them committed suicide, but the all of the rest of them came out of it. And these were people like in the early 20th century or in the 19th century. And uh, what he, the pattern that he saw was that the ones who came out of psychosis uh, at some point latched onto a motivation that they wanted to help other people who were suffering in the same way. They got a hold of a compassionate motivation. And the other thing in common was During the intervals of not being psychotic um, they all experienced that the life was terribly dull, dreary, like gray, like depressing, and then um, like um, the, the crazy thoughts or the psychotic thoughts were, like, brilliant and bright and dynamic and powerful and sort of speeded up and gave this, this great sense of um, uh, being like a superman or something. And so there's this uh, tremendous attraction to going with those thoughts, and, but they reached a point and of intentionally saying, no, I'm not going to go there because I know that it seems so appealing right now, but then it becomes another different, a hell realm afterwards. And so, and so then they, they, like, chose... It was Choosing Sanity, that's the name of the book. They chose not to, not to uh, pick up on what those kinds of thoughts were telling them to do. Uh, and so, uh, it just um, exactly in the same way, uh, all of the, the patterns that we call afflictive patterns, they, they usually have got uh, some kind of a, uh, uh, some way in which it seems like it's making us feel better. Like it, like it seems like it feels better to be pissed off or to be angry, than it feels to stay calm, um, and um, but then at, a, at another level the consequences it never that you know it's not working out it's not taking us where we want to be, and so then uh, if we. Uh, Realize that it's it's not a a matter of blaming ourselves or shaming ourselves or feeling humiliated, or because we have because we're afflicted. But without the sense of being uh, uh, making that kind of judgment, we still are able to make the judgment. This pattern is afflictive, and I'm looking for the way out. So, like anxiety is an affliction. I'm looking for the way out of anxiety. Depression is an affliction. Grief is an affliction. I'm looking for the way to emerge from grief, the way to emerge from anxiety, the way to um, emerge from anger. And in that way, we are are willing to practice like renunciation towards um, afflictive states of mind. And it's, it's just as much, uh, when it then it becomes a skillful thing, if we develop the skill. And then we could say, you know, like say anger, say, well I don't do anger. If one could make the statement that no matter what kind of prov- provocation there is, um, I've learned how not to be angry and I'm just not going to be angry. And that's a kind of renunciation, just the same way someone who's uh, sober could say, you know, I don't take a drink. And that's a kind of renunciation. And then, so you can see then if you're able to learn how to do that, uh, then making, at a point, making a choice, um, and setting up, you know, this is the this is the boundary, for what I'm interested in cultivating. And this is the boundary that I'm not going to go there. That that kind of renunciation could lead to uh, uh, making room for all kinds of. Beautiful things to happen in our life. Uh, And then um, the last um, um, point that I'll uh, make about uh, renunciation is uh, in terms of the uh, self-thing or self-conceit or the the things uh, that we build up because of identification. And um, then clinging to uh, certain, like, fixed ideas about being a certain type of person with certain uh, beliefs and ideals and uh, uh, goals and characteristics and so forth. And then uh, to uh, become a much uh, softer and more flexible in another way, is to uh, learn to uh, see those uh, rigid patterns uh, which is a kind of a, a conceit. So even though one is saying, you know, I'm making my life organized, I'm keeping my morality pure, I'm watching the mind and not allowing afflictive states of mind to arise. So I've got all kinds of agency in terms of I'm able to make these uh, decisions and I'm gradually learning and developing the skills so that I can be uh, pretty consistent in upholding certain kind of decisions about uh, where I want to be and where I don't want to be. That's that's like the renunciation part. We've developed all of those things. We've got a lot of um, agency and ability to make choices and to have clear intentions. But then, at another level, we're not becoming conceited about it. We're not becoming uh, uh, rigid about it. Uh, so we we have this kind of like an intellectual openness. Uh, 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 There's a story that Ajahn Sanita tells about Ajahn Chah, uh, where there was a woman who had been uh, a strong meditator, that I I guess was becoming a a sister, or a Mechi, over there in in those times in uh, Thailand. Uh, This was a Westerner woman, and uh, on an occasion where Ajahn Sumedho went back to see his teacher in Thailand. Uh, this woman had given up Buddhism and become a Christian, and was uh, standing in front of the monastery, uh, yelling at people that it was a satanic plot and they should stay away, not go to that monastery because they would go to hell if they practiced uh, um, uh, meditation at that place. And uh, Ajahn Sumedho was uh, he was very upset, and he he. Went to and said, Well, you should call the police and stop her and don't let her be slandering uh, uh, the Dhamma in that uh, way. And uh, according to the story, Ajahn Chah said, Well, maybe she's right. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's, it's that kind of uh, uh, like a kind of like a flexibility, like no matter what happens, it seems like it's a like a bullet pointed at us, that we have this ability to not take it personally. So we have... Um, uh, this is like the final, deepest level of renunciation, actually, where we have renounced clinging to any state of existence or non-existence. So that energy that's saying, I am somebody and I want to be somebody which is the kind of energy that keeps us rolling around and around in samsara, that energy gets to be gone and we don't want to be anybody. Um, And so somehow this is a bit of a conundrum somehow it's possible to not have this clinging to a particular state of existence, or to being a somebody, to being um, a self. Uh, And at the same time that we have that, we're still able to do things. We're still able to have intentions. We're still able to have agency, and we're still able to make choices in what I'll call renunciation, which means um, the ability to make a a decision about what we include and what we don't include in our life. Uh, So that uh, concludes uh, what I have to say about renunciation, and there's a few minutes left. I'd be very happy to hear your ideas about it. So any comments or questions about this or about anything else in the practice? Um I I think um, you've already answered this, but I was wondering if you could just take a minute to clarify as far as uh, the idea
1: of, for example, reading novels or watching films or listening to music. Um,
2: On the one hand, uh, the way I understood it.
0: we want to pursue a life that has uh, as as few meaningless distractions as possible. But I'm wondering, isn't isn't the the appreciation of certain art forms more than just entertainment, that it actually enriches the mind? Yes, it does. Um, And this is where One can think about when art is, in a certain kind of way, progressive, in other words the same search that we have for the truth, for the nature of our humanity and so forth, through the arts one may be able to feel our way into a certain kinds of understanding. that's that's very beneficial and and that that it can take us there in a in a different way uh, and 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 the reason I say it's progressive you uh, know I'm getting old I get very nostalgic these days on one occasion I was at a family gathering over Christmas, and I had a one of my great nephews was just like um like three years old or something, and they had the television they had to leave it to Beaver on television. And this three-year-old was like really intent on leave it to Beaver. And so there was, I think, you know, all those stories, like there's usually a moral to the story. Like, you know, they get into some kind of problem, and then mom or dad or something, you know, comes in with some like wisdom about how to, you know, resolve the, whatever the, the conflict is, and so for that little kid, um, a simple story was, uh, you know, progressive with for him to investigate things, something. And, and so, you know, for us, uh, it's a question of you having the, the discernment in a certain way asking, are we just feeling time, or is this the onward leading for us?
1: I feel this is something I've actually been thinking about. I uh, thank you very much. It's about habitual habits and states of mind that I have and, you know, how it's very difficult sometimes to work with them and um, yeah. if you could talk a little bit about the path. and
0: Yeah. It, so uh in giving up afflicted states of mind, Uh, the renunciation part in a certain way is like the decision, or the becoming willing. Um, And then there's a whole process after that which is investigation and experimentation and finding out how. Uh, And a, a whole big section of the Dhamma Path and the teachings of the Buddha are really involved with learning how to use different uh, skillful ways to uh, work our way or find our way out from afflicted states of mind. Uh, What I'm suggesting about renunciation is that uh, following those practices will not be uh, might not be effective in getting out of these states of mind unless we have the idea that it's possible and desirable to get out of these states of mind. Uh, so, a person who, um, you know, is irritable and they think it's who I am and it's it's beneficial, it's advantageous to me to be irritable because I get to get my way from being irritable and so forth and. And so they're not interested in giving it up. Then they won't give it up. And so then, no matter how much they practice uh, mindfulness, the same um, uh, 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 pattern will continue to reoccur because they haven't—they're not using the tools uh, towards that purpose. Um, there's a wonderful uh, passage. It's in our uh, uh, the, one of the basic chanting books that we use. Uh, uh, the, uh where the Buddha is saying, uh, it's possible. Like, uh, liberation is possible. If it were not possible, I would not be telling you to do this. But because it is possible, I'm telling you to do this. And so, and this is kind of like his his promise, that uh, this uh, path of purification of the mind, purifying the defilements of the mind, it is possible to do um, So I think I've implied that once one makes the a decision or has the wish to uh, renounce a pattern of afflictive states of mind there could be a lot of failures along the way and there's a danger then that one may like give up and think well this is useless, I'm not able to that I'm you know, it's too strong of a karma. And this pattern is never going to repeat. For is it. never going to go away. It's I'm going to be trapped in this, and and so uh, uh, that's that's a kind of a, a a problem where you take something which is impermanent and you see it as permanent, or you take something which is a non-self, which is just a combination of phenomena. Um, All the causes and conditions have come up to this point and creating this pattern. Uh, So there's no self there. But you say, you falsely get the idea there is a self. And I have a self and my self is nasty. Or my self is, um, you know, depressed or something like that. And that's, it's like, it's got that color and it's never going to change because there's a self. And so seeing, uh, if you uh, do a meditation, meditate or reflect about impermanence um, and non-self, uh, and then you may that that's one one of the uh, skillful ways to like open up this space and and create the possibilities for change. Um, uh, likewise, going to uh, this special environment of a meditation retreat is a nice Way to um, open up some space and create the possibilities for um, change and then try to go back into one's usual world and see what, what can be uh, sustained. Ayadira, uh, or uh,
2: Sister Yanika, do you have anything to add about this topic? I have nothing for i like to, to point out that the first step of this necuma, uh concerning the bad habits or thoughts, well, mind patterns coming up, and kind of pushing reactions, um, the first big step is to be aware of it. And this is what I, with your question, I can figure that you are aware of it. You are aware, oh, this is that pattern again. This is that bad habit again. And this is a very big step already in the whole process of Nikkama. So I, I think it's also worthwhile to Kind of pat yourself on the shoulder for that, saying, well, okay, I'm aware of it and I'm I want to I want to work on it slowly, slowly. Many times maybe I fail, but I want to work on it. And and this is this is in fact encouraging and this is giving the power and and yeah. I really like to emphasize this. So to be to be aware that you are aware and you made a big big step on that. Usually we are not aware. We are simply doing the same thing all over again. Maybe in between the the idea comes up, well this happens to me again. Why? But usually then the mind very quickly says, it's because the other one Did this and that again, the accusing the the outside again. So, um, yes, and uh, for um, this, um, what you mentioned about. This kind of getting addicted to something, being addicted to something, um, I think if or the way I feel it, any kind of uh, being addicted to whatever it is, uh, it it really you really can feel that is restricting you that that you are that that is as if there are chains around you. And <clears throat> if you are aware of that, if you really, if you really go into that feeling of the way you are bound in it, uh, I feel, even if you don't know how, but it it gives the, the feeling and the courage of I try to be without it. Let's say, in the modern times, I think it's something like the, the laptop, maybe, or the smartphone, or something like that. And so I just I just put on myself something like, I say, this kind of adhitana, this kind of wow, this is wow. Um, then I say, okay, I'm only using the smartphone, I don't know, for... Um, phoning my mom or something like that. Um, just because you feel it's doing me harm. You, it, it is really, you can really sense it. That's uh, restricting you. And... I like to encourage this kind of method to deal with it. Get Going into the feeling of how we are you're, how you're bound with, on, with these things and that we put a kind of um, adhitana and we say, okay, I want, I want to get the experience, how do I feel without that, without this boundary, without this chain around myself? Uh, let's, let's have a new experience without it. It's my suggestion for a kind of method to deal with. Yeah.
0: I think this is all. Mm
2: Thank you. Thank you. I,
1: uh, with pronunciation, it has stages for me. So there's the faith stage, where um, I have a sense because I've seen it in other people's practice, or I've read about it, or some, you know, that giving this up would be beneficial. But I'm just taking it on faith at that point. And then there's the ter- termination stage, based on you know, what I've seen that that faith arising, then I make that at the time make the determination to. To do this, but it's uncomfortable. It's not my habit. It's against the grain. Um, but I've got the willingness, based on the faith, to make this determination and give it a go. And then, as I work with it, I gain understanding about uh, what the what that as I was talking, I was talking about what was I using that for? What was the benefit? And what is it? What was it really contributing to? And uh, what does it feel like without it? And so I start to get an understanding about it. And then uh, in the last, there's the release. When the actual, so that there, there's renunciation to that whole process, but then the putting it down where you've got some freedom around it. And I talk about it with an emotional, you now um, putting down that afflicted mind state, but I'll do it with something that's also tangible. Um, so I have, um, you know, worked with food addiction, and one of the areas with food addiction that was particularly craving-oriented for me was, um, you know, breads and uh, uh, pastry-type, you know, that type of thing. Um, well, at first, I would take it on faith that, you know, that was something that would be good. I would determine not to do it. But it was at the point where I actually started feeling the sensations of the body with that substance in the body, and without that substance in the body, that I said, oh, wow, this hurts. This hurts when I do this. Now, um, for me, there's a wheat sensitivity issue that causes problems in the body and the mind. Um, So I don't eat it it doesn't hurt. Well, I used to walk into a room and if there was a plate of that type of thing on the counter, the craving would be there. But now, I don't want it at all. I mean, it just, it looks like poison to me because I've gone through that process of understanding and I put it down. I've got lots and lots of other things to work on but be. Because I have that experience with one, I can now apply it to others, and I can bring my faith up much more easily for the, for the next day
0: to lose the mind. Right. Thank you. That's very nice, Well, this might be a good time to uh, come to the uh, our closing of today. Thank you for your patient listening, your participation, and for um, leaving your home to uh, come out here and be together with us and, and with uh, your uh, friends here in the Holy Life. Uh, maybe somebody could bring the light up and um, bring out the uh, Bayagiri chanting books. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.